Welcome to episode 58 of The Roger Snipes Show. Thank you for tuning in to The Roger Snipes Show. The aim of each episode is to leave you feeling more informed than when you started. You can expect a vast array of subjects from functional medicine to economic developments. Each week, I'll be interviewing experts in different fields to bring you an awesome show. The Rod 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 Roger Snipes Show. Yo, what's going on? Hope all is good, and everyone is once again remaining viral free. So, the news from yesterday was that UK is the first one in the entire world to have a clinically authorized vaccination. So, yeah, to many that will be very exciting, to some (laughs) that may be questionable. You know, I I think the main thing for me is that um, it was kind of fast-tracked when you think about it. Um, You know, as it said, it normally takes about 10 years before a vaccination is brought in process, um, well, to to actual uh, fruition but um, this has taken 10 months. So from 10 years to 10 months. Sorry about the beeping. That's my PEMF as I'm sitting on it. Um, But yeah, like, so let's see. Let's see what happens. Hopefully uh, it all is well and we really start getting some healthy people. I think the, the first in line are those that are most vulnerable. So I think people over... Is it 65 or is it 85? Uh, People who are in the later ages, let's put it that way. And um, I don't know if there's people who are more prone to metabolic sicknesses. But um, yeah, and also those on the front line. So people who are working uh, part of NHS, I do believe that those are the first to receive the vaccination. You know, so yeah. Good luck to everybody. So today, I'm going to be speaking to a nice chap who goes by the name of Sean Wells. I first discovered him through, I guess, through social media, like most other people. And one of the things that really interested me was a couple of things. He goes by the name of Ingredientologist. And as you might have guessed... He knows a, a fair a fair amount about ingredients, <laughs> and he has many 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 titles to his name, which I'll 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 get to later. Um, but yeah, he does a lot to do with uh, foods, ingredients, and um, he did speak a lot on his social media about sugar. And I have a, a particular interest in sugar. I could say it's a bit of a love and hate relationship. And uh, another thing which he speaks a, a fair amount or heavily on is depression and anxiety. Um, yeah, so there was a bit of, um, I was like, do you know what? This is really interesting. And I think one of the things which kind of gravitated to me was, you know, the things which he has been through, I felt as though it kind of, it fit it, like synergistically with my core because of certain things I had been through in the past when I was younger. And it made me think a lot of people need to know 
what are the key elements in 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 getting out of this situation if you're feeling trapped mentally um i think it's important to know that others are feeling the same i think a lot when people are going through depression i think that most of the time people feel alone and that others are not feeling that way um so they feel trapped they feel like there's no way out of it and um yeah after this discussion it really it, it was good it was i really enjoyed it uh so yeah but before we get started i just want to give a, a quick mention and that is to <laughs> red light rising i'm sure you've heard of red light therapy and i'm sure i've mentioned it a few times uh, you probably see photos of me on social media like looking bright red uh, with a with a uh, some sort of light red light shining down on me uh, <laughs> some people make remarks that it looks like something from the red light district in which i, I don't know much about that <laughs> anyhow yeah so i use uh, red light therapy by a a company called red light rising and uh, red light therapy is is great for a, a whole host of things and um, i use it every day um, I use it mm, after a cycle when I want to wind down um, or before bed. So, and sometimes I'll just use it during the day if I'm feeling a little bit rough. It's great for different things. It's great for muscle recovery. It's great for boosting your mitochondria, uh, increasing melatonin at night when you want to get some real deeper sleep. Uh, it's good for reducing inflammation in the body as well increasing your testosterone it's good for the skin so uh, more collagen and it's good for joint pain and pretty much a full recovery it's pretty amazing so if you're interested in red light therapy then visit redlightrising.co.uk and use coupon code snipes5 and get yourself 5% off. So that website link again is redlightrising.co.uk and use coupon code SNIPES5. But yeah, once again, I hope you guys really enjoy this one. I had fun. I had fun. It was sometimes it was a bit of a dark, a dark topic to cover. But I think that many people will be like Do you know what yeah yeah i know what he's saying mm, yeah you know I, I think there'll be f a few moments where you'll be nodding your head if you're watching this on youtube then um <laughs> you'll, you'll see that i was nodding my head quite a lot on certain things but yeah as he mentioned in in this uh in this podcast he has formulated over 500 supplements he has also patented 10 novel ingredients and is known as the ingredientologist, the scientist of ingredients, formerly a chief clinical dietitian with over a decade of clinical experience. He has counseled thousands of people on natural health solutions such as keto, paleo, fasting, and supplements. He has also overcome various health issues including chronic fatigue syndrome, fibromyalgia, depression, insomnia, obesity, and pituitary tumor. Um, it's, yeah, 
pretty serious, pretty serious. He's a world-renowned thought leader on mitochondrial health. He has been paid to speak in five different continents. His insight has been predominantly featured in documentaries. Anyways, there's so many things to talk about with regards to him, but let's bring on Sean Wells, the ingredientologist. How you doing, my friend? I'm doing amazing. How are you doing? I'm great. Good, good. So here I what well, it is 6:43 in the evening. What what about for you? Uh 12:43 p.m. And where are you located? In Dallas, Texas. Dallas. Dallas. What's that renowned for? Fitness is a big thing in in Dallas, isn't it? Oh, really? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, we have bodybuilding competitions here. And um, Dallas is well known for, for oil and banking. Okay. Yeah. Cool. And the Cowboys. <laughs> yeah, that, I think that's what I originally knew it for. A lot of the yeah. Cowboy movies, that's for sure. Clint Eastwood and, I don't know, maybe some others. <laughs> so you yourself, you are a... Um, You've got like loads of titles under your name. Uh, yeah, I'm a, I'm a biochemist. I'm a registered dietitian, certified sports nutritionist. I've formulated about 500 supplements. I worked 10 years clinically as a chief clinical dietitian, uh, patented about 10 novel ingredients. And then I like to tell my story of what's gotten me here and I've had battles with depression and suicidal thoughts. I've had autoimmune issues with uh, Hashimoto's, Epstein-Barr, fibromyalgia, chronic fatigue syndrome. Uh, about eight years ago, I had a brain tumor. And so uh, just battled through a lot of things. And along the way, I've, I've gotten some tools. Like I've been known for when I speak on you know, biohacking. I've been keto for 20 years paleo intermittent fasting and then certainly supplements is is an area of expertise so uh, those are all things i like to talk about but of late i've been talking about my personal story and and what's given me my passion and why i'm here and you know there's there's always that why behind someone you know someone's like kind of at the top of their industry it's like well what's the why behind it like what drove you so hard and for me it was like trying to fix all the broken, you know, the quote unquote broken is, is how I've looked at it from, for most of my life. And, and now I view it as my beautiful, like it's, it's what makes me unique. It's what gives me my story. It's what gave me my passion. I wouldn't be sitting in front of you right now if I wasn't morbidly obese, if I wasn't anorexic, if I didn't have uh, all these autoimmune issues, if I, if I didn't struggle with, with, being bullied and, and abused and, you know, all the things that have happened in my life. If those didn't happen, I wouldn't be here right now. Mm -hmm. And this is where I'm supposed to be. Incredible. So yeah, let's, yeah, let's go straight into it. Like, you know, putting, putting all your degrees and certifications aside. So you've had a history of sickness and you've just been through quite a lot of them and probably not even all of them. 
um, chronic fatigue syndrome, depression, insomnia, obesity, um, what's the pituitary tumor? Okay, so what is your story? How did this all start? Yeah, uh, it's it really you know started with my childhood, just uh, you know being bullied, coming from a chaotic home. Uh, my brothers ran away pretty early. Uh, I was made fun of all the time at school for being overweight, which led to me eating more junk food, playing more video games, not being picked to play sports, not getting you know the dates and any of that, and my self esteem was just trash. And uh, what what sort of age and what sort of weight are we talking about? About 300 pounds, six foot two, 300 pounds. Um, and wow. yeah, just, just made fun of so much. And, and not only that, I had, you know, large legs and rear ends. So uh, they always called me, you know, fat ass and, and all that stuff. And uh effeminized me if you will like so it was it was very difficult uh growing up and I was a late bloomer too so I had kind of the the high voice until later on I didn't even start shaving until I was about 19 or 20. Right. So it was it was just uh it was rough um and I was just someone who was always trying to achieve to make up for the lack of love in my life. And, uh, and I thought that's how you get love is to through achievement. And so I was always pushing very hard in my life, um, and very hard on myself, um, very little self love through most of my life. And it was, uh, in between my sophomore and junior year of my undergrad uh, degree in business that I went to the doctor and was telling him about uh, these supplement magazines I was reading, these books I was reading. I started creatine and protein and started seeing some results at the gym and feeling a little good about myself. And there was a book, Optimum Sports Nutrition, where this Dr. Michael Colgan was talking about putting his athletes on amino acid cocktails. And he was working with Olympic athletes. And I was just super into all this stuff and reading Arnold's book, which I'm sure you read the the encyclopedia of bodybuilding, you know, there's so many great things that, that were really ahead of its time. Um, I was a big fan of, um, muscle media 2000 with Bill Phillips at the time. And, um, Dan Duchesne, um, was, was his partner in crime and coming up with all this cutting edge science. And, and so I was talking to the doctor about all this stuff and how interesting it was to me, expecting him to tell me all this stuff is stupid none of it tests out, you know, this is well over 20 years ago. And he instead drew out a lifeline for me between 20 and 80. And he said, why not be happy between here and here? And that gave me permission from someone who wasn't even close to me in my life, but someone you respect as a medical doctor. I was like, wow, like, he just really gave me permission to go pursue my passion. I don't have to stay on this path of just, you know, working for some consulting firm in Boston and, you know, being in business the rest of my life. And so uh, I decided to finish up my degree at Babson. I uh, 
I finished magna cum laude, got, got marketing, which definitely comes in handy uh, with all the stuff I'm doing. And I decided to go to UNC Greensboro. My parents were down in North Carolina. I could get in state. I wanted to go to Chapel Hill for my master's in nutrition. And this time I go to a guidance counselor, tell him all my dreams of being a supplement formulator. I need to get my master's at Chapel Hill. I need to get all these prerequisites out of the way. This guy said, you're a business student. You'll fail and you'll fail miserably. You're not even in that good a shape. And this is a joke. Please get out of my office. Wow. And, um, you know, it's, it's a tale of two people. And I almost killed myself that night because I was holding on to that dream that I felt was destiny. And I felt like someone just turned it into a big joke. And my life felt like it was over. It was what I was holding on to. Was I had very little positive in my life. And um, you know, it, it just tells you like how important it is, how important your words are. This one man gave me my dreams like literally changed my entire life path. I would not be where I am without this man, without a doubt, a doctor. And then on the other hand, this guidance counselor almost took my life away from me. I almost committed suicide. And I don't know how many dreams he's stolen. You know, so like, that's, that's always potent for me to think about. But I ended up doing great. I ended up not killing myself. And putting all this on my credit card, 26 credit hours a semester of pure sciences, crushed it, got straight A's, thought of that guy every day. In my head, I'm like, fuck this guy. I am going to do this. And every time someone said, let's go get drinks, let's go party. I was like, nope, I'm on my mission, man. I thought about that guy's voice and his face every single day. And I ended up, yeah, getting into Chapel Hill, but then, you know, while I was there, I was also still pushing. I still didn't love myself. I was working out hard. Um, I ended up going from morbidly obese to anorexic to 150 pounds from 300 pounds wow. at 6'2". Then I went to 220 pounds uh, muscular and lean with a six pack, but I was working out four hours a day and I still hated myself. So I took like, you know, these big swings and journeys, but it was just always, you know, searching for validation, searching for love through achievement and never getting it. Um, and while I was at Chapel Hill getting my master's in nutrition, I was working hard on my master's. I was working several jobs at places like GNC um, and, you know, trying to go out a lot of nights of the week to try and meet girls because I just felt like I was never getting attention there and I wanted love. And I was just burning the candle at both ends and then I ended up getting all these autoimmune issues. And then I almost committed suicide again because for six months I couldn't get out of bed. I was in pain, I was inflamed. I thought my dream was over again. Uh, I thought I'd never get out of bed for the rest of my life. I thought did you see anyone was, at the time? That was it, my like, future. Mm -hmm. Did you see? Did you see a, a counselor or something during that time, or uh, someone to to uh, see you about your autoimmunity? How did you know? You, you know, were? at the time, um, over twenty about twenty years ago, there really wasn't experts in that that I was aware of. I went to my medical doctor, general practitioner, 
They didn't, I mean, they tested some things. They didn't really know what to do. They said, you have Epstein-Barr, that'll pass, you'll be fine. So there wasn't like someone who's an expert in, in chronic, like chronic fatigue syndrome was laughed at. Fibromyalgia was laughed at 20 years ago. They said like those well, were- What is that exactly? Is that, is that like a rheumatism or something? Uh, yeah, exactly. That's, that's exactly what it is. It's like, um, I mean, we don't know, I shouldn't say exactly, but that's the idea is that it's an autoimmune effect where you're in a state of insufficient cellular energy chronically and your muscles are hypertonic, meaning like they, they just kind of stay flexed and your body stays inflamed and you feel a lack of energy all the time because you're not making enough cellular energy and your body's just kind of battling itself constantly. So um, it's a whole bunch of things, but that's what I learned is I started looking into keto at that time and, you know, getting on message boards and trying to figure this out. How can I get out of bed? How can I get back to the human being I once was? And that's what I stumbled into was 20 years ago, the ketogenic diet. It worked amazingly for me. It provided that alternate fuel source. I was able to get out of bed, not be in pain and get back to my life. But I will say that through those years, I you know got a job like at Dimatize working, uh, being a formulator. This is a really big supplement company. And I was working 70, 80 hours a week. I wasn't staying on all the ketogenic diets because there wasn't a lot of recipes back then or snack foods or all the things like there is now. And so I just eat something from the vending machine or, you know, have a slice of pizza or whatever, because I was just always working, 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 probably getting three to four hours of sleep a night for several years. And then I got a brain tumor. And that's when I said, okay, <laughs> I need to like start prioritizing. And that's when I started looking into you know, biohacking with things like red light therapy, cold plunges, hot saunas, gratitude, meditation, listening to podcasts, you know, good morning routine, making sure I'm getting my sleep, uh, starting working with doctors like the kind you're talking about that are functional and integrative. This all started, you know, eight to 10 years ago is kind of this movement. And so I started working with people like that. Um, you know, eating a paleo whole foods diet along with keto, doing intermittent fasting, uh, working with allergists, trying to figure out some of the triggers that might worsen my inflammation. That's when I got really serious about, you know, putting all these pieces together and not just driving myself into the ground. I think, you know, I bought into the hustle and grind mentality of like a Gary V and, and some of these guys that were really popular at the time. And I said, you know, fuck these guys. Like that's, that's not, that's not me. You know, it's not going to work long run. You put your heads down and survive for the rest of your life. That's not much of a life worth living. Mm. And the, the idea of grinding where pieces are breaking off and smoking and you know, that's not, that's not where you want to be either. Like, Hustle and grind is like sympathetic nervous system, ultra sympathetic nervous system. It's like fight or flight, extreme fight or flight. 
you need to be in that parasympathetic nervous system in your autonomic nervous system to balance it out kind of yin and yang. There's times when you want to hustle. There's times when you want to be in your flow state in that rest and digest state. And that's, that's when I started realizing like, okay, like sometimes you got to hustle, but it's to get to the flow. The whole point of your life should be that I get to the passionate point, that I get to the point where I'm lit up, the point where it feels like play. Like sometimes you got to work, but it should be to get to the play. And, you know, that was an epiphany for me when the whole point of what I'm doing becomes you have to love it. It has to be play instead of searching for achievement, for accolades, for more letters after my name, for, you know, all the things that you run into in these circles. And when you meet other entrepreneurs, you get a lot of it. You get a lot of the, the dick measuring contests, if you will, where it's like, I've got a, a million followers. I've got, you know, 10 million in the bank. I've got three companies. I've got a Ferrari. I've got, you know, the trophy wife, uh, you know, whatever, like it's all these things. And you should just be like, Hey, that's great. That's your path, man. I'm happy for you. I'm on my path. And they're two totally different things. Yeah. <laughs> like we compare ourselves and it should have nothing to do with it. And when I talk to these entrepreneurs, nine times out of 10, I find out there was abuse, molestation, um, you know, all this kind of stuff, like where they're driving, they're pushing, they're hurting, and they're doing that achievement thing. And they have imposter syndrome. And you're surrounded by all these people that are just dying on the inside, but seem super successful on the outside. And you're like, wow, that's the person I want to be, you know, when you're looking at Instagram, or you're looking at them driving in the car but they're miserable. See, and I was like, right there too. I was right there too. No, mm. I was just like, when you say that, I've met so many people that I've seen them on Instagram. I'm like, wow, I can't believe it. I'm going to meet this person. And when I see them, they seem very anxious. They seem like they, they, they always have their phone in their hands. And I remember there was, there was a really bizarre situation. I remember being at dinner with lots of other influencers. And I just thought we was going to all sit down and chat and get to know each other. But everybody had their phones. And this was before IG stories was about and Snapchat was a big thing. And everybody had their phones out and they were recording like like everybody eating, oh, I'm with this person, I'm with that person, well, we're having such a great time. And then after they recorded, they put the phone down and nobody communicated with each other. And I just found it fascinating because it was like, you're making it appear to the outside world as if you're having a fantastic time, but really you're not, you know, you're, you're unhappy. You can't even join in with other people. You're just creating this whole facade. Yeah, and, and it's, and that, that rift, that dissonance, uh, gets like deeper and deeper over time, that wedge like of what you're projecting versus what you are. If those aren't in alignment, that rift just creates deep uh, misery and, and almost doom in your life. And that's where you get depressed and suicidal and, and fatalistic. 
and it's not healthy. Like I, I agree with you. I think the phones should absolutely be away. Uh, it's it's an enemy of connecting. the The most powerful thing you can do is be a great listener. The greatest leaders in the world aren't great talkers. They're great listeners. The most powerful person in the room is a great listener. And that happens when you are focused. We cannot multitask, we are task switchers. And it takes about five to six minutes to switch back to something else and regain your focus. So if you're going back and forth between your phone and the person, you're not doing anything special on your phone and you're not doing anything special with that person. The jack of all trades is the master of nothing. Like it's just garbage. It's just garbage on your phone and, and a garbage relationship that you're putting out there. And then you're gonna bitch about how you don't have really good friends. You know, you need to be that great friend. You reap what you sow. You need to be the friend that you want to be. You need to be the change you want to see in the world. Yeah. That's where it starts. Have you, have you found a lot of people that has uh, gone through uh, uh, mental struggles uh, like yourself um, that you can resonate with? who you've shared stories with and stuff like that? Yeah, I think it's really common. Um, what I've found is that people that are like, uh, like a deeper thinker and, and the listeners, kind of the introverts that, that have a creative mind and intelligent mind, um, but they're not great like in a crowd like an extrovert is. And sometimes they can even be drained by crowds. They're people that tend to go inward and, and those make for powerful conversations. Those, those people make powerful art. Um, they really think through decisions. Um, but they're people that's, that tend to struggle with depression. Um, and I, and I think it's just because they, they go inward, they do have quiet times, you know, people that are always moving, going, connecting, you know, whatever, like they don't have time for depression as much. Um, but it's the people that, that go inward and, and really think through what everything meant. Like you replay the night or you re or, or you envision what's going to happen when you go up on stage or whatever, and you play it out in your head 60 times. Those are the people that get depressed and, and those are people like me. Um, so it happens uh, and it's something I still deal with quite a bit, but I'm trying for like ways to, to diffuse that, if you will. And I think some of the best strategies I've had, actually this year, was the game changer for me. I, I'm so blessed because of COVID. Um, it changed everything. So I was supposed to be traveling 300 days this year because I was out proving myself. I was going to be on all these stages, on TV shows. I was going to be in all these masterminds and conferences and traveling the world to achieve. And when COVID shut it all down, 
I had to reevaluate and find that a lot of this stuff wasn't serving me and I wasn't setting boundaries. And matter of fact, it got so bad, I was so busy that when new opportunities came in, I was just like, yeah, fit it in somewhere because I didn't even have time to evaluate it, you know, because you're so busy. And so they keep coming. And, and even when I did have great opportunities, I was so overwhelmed that I wasn't really putting great focus on the great opportunities. So this allowed me to, one, start doing plant medicine and really trying to establish more play in my life and self-love. Two, working with a therapist, like doing Byron, Byron Katie style work. Three, getting mentors around me consciously. Four, listening to some podcasts. Five, setting boundaries and having a filter of, is this going to serve me? Does this light me up? And doing that stuff has really changed so much. I am far less overwhelmed. I definitely feel better on the self-love front. Um, and the plant medicine doing psilocybin in particular has really helped me with that. Um, just started that this year and I've probably done it about six times. Where do you um, practice that? At home? Yeah. No, no. I work with a, a couple. Uh, one is a nurse and, and another is a therapist and, and they're just amazing. Um, and they, they help you with setting intentions and, you know, doing breath work and going through your prior traumas. And then, um, they check on you throughout the night and, and then you do integration the next day. What's uh, that? So that What's integration is where you take what you learned in that space and how you're going to apply it in your life. And so that's really important. Otherwise, you're just someone who's just tripping and, you know, escaping. The integration <laughs> part is the, is the most important part. Now that you've seen some of your true self, higher self, tapped into kind of the great wisdom mm. of the universe or, or forgiven people around you or even given yourself grace, now, like you're, you're saying, okay, this is what I'm going to do differently now as a result of what I've seen and learned. And so that's, that's a critical piece. And for me, that's, that's been tremendous. Like you can tell somebody all day long about like how important self-love is, or, you know, you don't need to be doing all these achievement driven things. Like you can just, you know, love yourself. Like, cool. Great. Like you're just like, yeah, whatever. <laughs> like, and you keep moving forward. But once you feel it in this space and your brain makes these folds in, in your brain's neuroplastic in this plant medicine space, and it's like your, your heart feels it and your brain says, anchor this. Wow. Wow. Now you can go back to that and say, okay, that's what love feels like. That's what I want more of. Or this is what play feels like. That's what I want more of. Like I've been putting off all these things like, you know, maybe I want to do an improv class or maybe I want to take singing lessons or do some art. And then you're always like, I'll get to that some other time. I'm busy. I've it's just not, got so not much serious or something, right? Yeah. And it's, it's just silly. It's not silly. That, that play is everything. You will become better at everything you do 
if you have an outlet for play and creativity. Mm. And so, yeah, don't dismiss those things, chase those things, make those things important. You know, I find it quite interesting when you was just talking about how you was chasing all these achievements to prove to others, maybe try and prove to yourself. Um, it reminded me when I read a book called The Game by Neil Strauss. I think mm. most guys have read that book. <laughs> I don't know. Have you read that? I, I didn't read that one. I got to meet him um, at a dinner with Lewis Howes. And uh, I was in Lewis Howes' mastermind. And I had read uh, Emergency, I believe, is one of his books. It's kind of like how to like doomsday prep for the end of the world. He is a really great writer, and I've heard about that book. Yeah, He explained it a little bit, but I haven't read it. I was out with a friend one day, and um, I guess um, as, as I started to read a lot of self-help books myself, because I was very introverted when I was younger. You know, I went through lots of abuse at home, and that's a completely, that's, a, that's another discussion another day. But I started to work on myself and uh, build my confidence that um, I always kind of tell myself, if, if it's to be, it's up to me. You know, I'll think of little phrases that I've learned from people like Brian Tracy or um, um, Les Brown, Eric Thomas, and these little things. Anyhow, one day, we were, me and my friend, we was in central London, and I just remember me and my friend, we was looking for a club to go to. And it was about maybe eight girls walking, um, walking along the street. And then I just like ran up to them and I just threw my arms around them. And I was like, okay, so where's the party at? And I was just playing around and uh, they said where they were going. And I went back to my friend and it was like, oh my God, how did you do that? Have you read the game? And I was like, the game, what's that all about? And he was telling me it's a book written by Neil Strauss in how to pick up women. And I was like, that sounds a bit weird. There's, there's, there's a rule book with how you pick up women. He was like, yeah, it's, it's amazing. So um, I was like, no, I don't need anything like that. I'm good. But he already had the book and he lent it to me. And I was like, look, I'm not really good at reading books. Every time I try and read, I fall asleep. That's the reason why I have so many audio books. But I thought, let me just give this a try. So I sat down and I, I tried to read the beginning and it turned from a try into actually enjoying it. I was like, oh my God, this is pretty interesting. And near the beginning of the book, he actually kind of gives an introduction to how his life was at the beginning, that he was a very uh, academically driven person, um, possibly to make up for the fact that he didn't really have a love life and that he, he wasn't very confident. But his, his way of trying to build confidence in himself was to have a very successful career. So, you know, he put all his efforts in his career and he was doing extremely well. And then um, he decided that it's about time he had a love life now. So he decided to go to some workshops and uh, learn the art of picking up women. And then it just goes into, you know, the skills that he learned. And it was really cool. But it was quite interesting in the very beginning of it that... Um, you know, because he was, he, 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 you know, had low self-esteem, he, he looked terrible. Like when I saw the early images of him, you know, he was really scrawny. Um, he had this little bit of tumbleweed for hair on his head. 
I think it's completely shaved now. He, he, he started to work on like the whole grooming thing, but before he had no idea in terms of like fashion sense or grooming, he looked, he looked atrocious. Um, but once he started to work on that, he started to really start to take care of himself. He, he really started to look a bit more into that and started to understand it a bit more. And, um, you know, as he was like, you know, talking about yourself, it, it, made, it did make me question, how do you feel now? Do you, you sometimes have moments where you feel depressed. Does, what, what is, is there like a shift in self-love? What's happening at that particular moment, would you say? I think so. I think depression, like one of the, <clears throat> one of the worst parts of depression is that you just, it, it's in the quiet times uh, that you can go in your head. And there's definitely things that you need to deal with during quiet times. And that's what I love about doing therapy or the plant medicine space or meditation or working with mentors and things like that. But sometimes like the thoughts that we have and the voices in our head, if anyone talked to us, like we talked to us, you wouldn't be their friend. I read that in a book. Um, so, yeah, sorry. Go yeah. No, um, I was just thinking of a book. As you said that, oh, the, the Untethered Soul. Have you read that? Oh, nice. No, I haven't read it. Check it out. I heard it's really good. It's amazing. Um, but we're, we're relentless on ourselves. And I think getting in the habit of not only being around people that energize you and things that energize you and light you up, you know, having your five mentors or, or you know, you're the product of the five people closest to you. So like intentionally choose those people that light you up, that challenge you, that give you energy. Right now you probably have too many energy vampires in your life. And I think it's, it's also important that you be your big advocate so that you start working on affirmations, that you have a gratitude journal, that you have a vision board, that you are saying things to yourself throughout the day that, you know, instead of saying, I can't do that or that's impossible, you just say, I haven't done that yet. Just leave it open. It's like, uh, you know, hey, what do you think about being a professional actor? Well, I haven't thought about that yet, or I haven't achieved that yet. Yeah. Sounds interesting, though. I mean, just like stay in play mode in your head where anything is possible. And it's, it's totally potentially doable. Someone with less skills than you, with less things than you have has done whatever it is that you're probably dreaming of. So it's all possible. And instead of giving yourself a hundred reasons why it's impossible, start thinking about all the reasons it is possible. Um, you know, and just be that positive voice, you know, so work on these, these affirmations of, you know, before you get out of bed, say like, today's going to be an incredible day. And I'm so thankful for the body I have and, you know, that it nourishes me and takes care of me. And, um, you know, I'm thankful for the relationships I have and that I have a job and, and then, and then work in your gratitude journal and then do a little meditation and, you know, be in that parasympathetic mode and then go into your day. 
uh, I think we just need to grant ourselves a lot more grace than we currently are. And you'll be depressed less. Now, another thing is like this Byron Katie style work that we tell ourselves stories, like even me about like, you know, uh, abuse or bullying or all these partners that have screwed me over in business and all these things. I have all these stories I've been holding on to. We're just going to take a short break and return right back. It is said that your gut is your second brain. Since we need to eat to live, we pretty much are making most of our decisions based on what our gut tells us. That's one of the reasons why it's important to think about what we digest. Cognibiotics is a combination of cognitive enhancement with pre and probiotics. It contains all of the strains you need to positively transform your brain and boost BDNF, generate serotonin, enhance cognitive performance, rejuvenate your brain, and improve gut-brain connection. If you'd like to take your cognition to the next level, then check out bioptimizers.com and use coupon code SNIPES10 for 10% off. That website link again is bioptimizers.com and coupon code SNIPES10 for 10% off. Like people have tried to harm me and, and hurt me and destroy me. And if you really dig into these, you, you, you ask yourself, do you know this to be fact? These stories you're holding on to. And then you find that, no, it's, it's a perspective. And it's through your lens. And other people are living out their lives. And they're hurting. And hurt people hurt people. And people are just projecting out. But it's not all about you. In their life, it's all about them. And so you have to see that, that it's, it's a give and take of these different existences that are being projected out. And no one has nefarious intent to destroy you. It's more like that they're just living their lives, they're going through pain, and they happen to inflict some of that pain on you, but it had nothing to do with you. And they weren't well-equipped to, to deal with that situation in the best way possible. Mm. And neither have you been in many situations. So uh, we all hurt people. Um, but just being aware of those kinds of things. And you know, so having the positive voice coming from you, having positive voices around you, uh, those, are the, those are the game changers. We all need a, a team that lifts us up from time to time. So that's probably the, the most critical thing. Yeah, I think so. I think that's great. Like if you've got, you know, when you were talking about the five closest people to you, but yeah, you know, a team of people. Some people, unfortunately, they might not have lots of great influence around them, maybe because of where they live. They don't live in the, the best of circumstances. Like all their family is negative or the neighborhood is a bit corrupt. I used to live in a corrupt neighborhood when I was younger. Everything was just like, you know, crime stricken. And, I, you know, I was involved in a lot of that. 
you know, breaking in houses, robbing people. I'd, I'd been involved in a lot of that in my, in my teenage era and I knew it was wrong and I knew I, I needed to get away. And the moment I did, I was able to think a lot more clearer. Mm-hmm. You know, um, it was it, it was like the moment I tried to think clearer, people would look at me as if I'm the alien. And I thought, ah, what's the point? You know, people are looking at me strange. I want to feel normal so that I could fit in. But the moment I was able to escape, then I was able to just tap into new thoughts without anybody trying to influence that. And I think that's pretty helpful as well. Yeah, that, that's the key is, is I, I believe if you need to move, if you need to, you know, get a new group of people around you, I mean, don't stop, you know, being kind to neighbors. Don't, don't stop, you know, loving your family. But if, if they need to be at arm's length for a little while because they have a negative impact on you, then do that. And if you need to move to find the right people to put around you, then do that. Change jobs, do that. Change schools, do that. Do whatever it takes to get those right people around you because your life will completely shift at that point. And then I would say if you think, well, for right now that's impossible, even though I don't believe that to be true, uh, then, then choose people on podcasts. You know, here's my mentor. And I'm just going to listen to this guy like crazy. Tim Ferriss is my guy. He's one of your five now. Mm-hmm. So for two hours a day, you're listening to Tim Ferriss. He's one of your five. He's a voice in your ear. You know, Roger Snipes is my guy. <laughs> I'm going to listen to him every day. I mean, you know, then do that. Like if that person vibes with you and you feel like connects on that level that, that keeps building you up then make them one of your five. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, that's, that's definitely good. <clears throat> Do you find it difficult to live in your own head? You mentioned that <clears throat> there's times when you, it kicks in this, this depression. It, do you have a fear of looking deep in your head at times? Do you, do you feel like there's, there's a lot of darkness in there on, on some days? I do. I, I have periods like that. I think, like again, a, a deep thinker tends to be a conflicted soul. Um, when you when you spend a lot of time analyzing yourself and other people like it it can be a brutal and dark place in there for sure Mm -hmm. um that's why doing like that affirmations and surrounding yourself with people is so critical and but maybe it's the type of questions you ask yourself though like how you ask the questions mm, you know yeah, I mean, a, a lot of times you think like, this is what I, I guess I'm just broken. I guess I'm screwed. I guess, you know, this is just the way life is and it's stacked against me. And, you know, you, you think very fatalistically and you think that you deserve it. You know, that's, you know, one of the, the dark thoughts is that because of all the terrible things I am or have done, that I deserve this. This is where I am. And, and you tend to manifest like, like the energy you're putting out is what you're going to manifest back. Like you reap what you sow. So like, if you're, if you're saying, this is what I deserve and, and I deserve horrible people around me in a, in a terrible job and and that's what you're going to end up having and doing like, and if the, the opposite's true, if you believe like, 
if you're a dreamer and, and you're, you're so deep in belief that one day, I, like I said, I'm going to be a supplement formulator. I'm going to be a chief clinical dietitian. I'm going to be like atop my field and do all these amazing things. I made it happen. Um, and it's just from manifesting it. It's, it's just believing when no one else believes. There's going to be points when even your best mentors, your best friends, your best family are going to say, no, that's, that's dumb. That's not going to work. That it has to, be, has to be in your heart and you have to make it true and believe it. And once you see it, it's what I'm saying about like that, those folds in your brain. Like once, once I felt that love in the plant medicine space, now I can go back to it. Now it's something that is achievable. When the guy broke the four minute mile, all these other guys broke the four minute mile because it's believable. And that's the same thing. Once you believe it to be true, that you can have love, that you can have this great life, that you can be all these great things. Once you believe it and you see it on your vision board and you're saying the words, it will happen. That will dig you out of that depression. It takes, it takes a bit of time though, I'm sure. I mean, I did have a little bit of mild depression when I was as, as, as a teenager and it, it did take a lot of affirmations. But I think what worked for me was knowing that there was a possibility of thinking a different way. I think that that was all I needed to know that there was a possibility. And I was like, okay, cool. That's good enough. It just means that my mindset is wrong and the people around me, all of theirs is wrong. And I just need to try my best to ignore them. And I think just having that little bit of light was what helped. So I'm just wondering, like, you've got lots of men out there that um, I think... I think a lot of men think, well, as long as I get, have a big pair of balls, then I will be able to deal with my stress and I don't need to speak to anyone. And if, 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 I, if, I, if I encounter some stress, then I just need to take it on the chin and just get on with life and just keep hustling and keep hustling and keep hustling and, you know, keep uh, firing up that... Um, um, the uh, can't, can't, can't think now. The um, the sympathetic nervous system. What's your what's your take on that? Like, what would you say for guys like that who just keep pushing themselves, but they kind of suffer in silence and they speak to nobody? Yeah, and I think that's very common as men that we do that. And so I tend to see in like these mastermind groups that I'm in with millionaires and even billionaires that they're, they're hurting, hurting. And the more financial success they often have, the more they're hurting and they kind of forewent for love, you know, like, uh, and again, for that achievement thing. And they're so used to suppressing the thing that makes it even harder, we as men tend to suppress. We're not supposed to show emotion and we're not supposed to connect with our guys and, and open up. We're supposed to be like just, you know, sports and guns and, you know, action movies and whatever and, and superficial discussions is like what we're supposed to have. While ladies, it's very easy for them to connect on emotional issues. You know, girls night out or 
you know, let's go hang out today and girl, I need to open up and guys don't do that very well. We're taught not to do that. So we just suppress it and suppress it and suppress it. And what makes it even harder is when you're an entrepreneur, you feel even more lonely because people think, oh, must be nice. You know, must be nice to have all that, you know, money, all that stuff or whatever. And they don't understand that with that money, uh, that one, you're reinvesting into your company. You're not just out there spending all these dollars. You're, you're worried about the livelihood of this company. And you might be worried about stockholders. You might be worried about the employees you have. Like that any day, like it could all come crumbling down and be nothing. And all these people could be out on the street. And all the people that you answer to, the the C-level people, the the stockholders, the you know your customers, your employees, and heavy is the head that wears the crown. You know, like people don't realize like what a weight this is, and that it's twenty four seven, three sixty five that you're thinking about this business, and they just think must be nice. And so it's very lonely because you think they don't understand, they don't get it. And, you know, everyone wants what I have, but they don't want the sacrifices that I've made. And so I'm just in this alone. And it's a very dark place to be. And I've seen that from a a lot of entrepreneurs. And that's where things like masterminds can be helpful. You know, like we get in a, a small group and we can open up, be vulnerable talk about the ways that we're hurting um, and, and really just, you know, share on, on a deeper level than we're, we're used to sharing. And that level, level of vulnerability allows for us to heal from the inside out, allows for our company to become better. You know, like as the CEO goes, the company goes. So that's why you're seeing CEOs like, you know, do therapy, go to masterminds, get uh, plant medicine journeys and all this stuff. Because if they start to play, if they start to love themselves, if they get creative, if they empower their, their C team, or if they start listening to their customers and they get out of their, their dark hole, then they can keep reinventing the company and and have a successful amazing company but as long as they're in that dark place so too will the company Mm, mm. absolutely man that's that's that is very interesting um yeah yeah Uh, so that that's that's on a scale of i guess for people who have a business whether i don't know a business owner self-employed or uh, an investor you know this is a a lot to think about but you've just got general guys might even be unemployed (laughs) or just employed whatever just guys in general no i mean it's like i said it's the same like guys are just we're taught to suppress and we're taught to kick ass and um and and we're emasculated a lot right now too Um, where it's in our DNA to want to be the protector and be the hero. And we're, we're getting emasculated, you know, in the media where we don't feel strong and powerful anymore. Um, 
And then at the same time, we're taught to hold it all in and not share with other guy friends because that's for, you know, effeminate men. So, you know, it's, it's, a, it's a really confusing and difficult time for men to be men and defining what that means. Like, you know, our, like I said, in, in our DNA, if you look throughout nature and what a male is in, in a lot of these species, you know, as a bear, as a, as a mountain lion, as a, you know, whatever, like as a monkey, like there's an element of being a protector and being a provider that we want to fulfill. And it's difficult when we are told not to do that. And it's also difficult to hold all these emotions in that we're trying to figure out because we're not supposed to be vulnerable and share. And so we get sent all these mixed messages from movies, from media, and it is, it's a very difficult time to, to be a man right now. And I think we need to redefine what that is and set boundaries around that and be proud of what it is to be a man. And being a full out man, protector, provider, brilliant, open, vulnerable, creative, playful is what we're supposed to be. And we're going to set boundaries around that. And we're going to say, this is what we are. And, and let's go do that and lift women up at the same time. And they can be equal, just different. We're, we're different. And we're supposed to celebrate those differences. Absolutely. I find a few interesting stuff with um, Dr. John Gray. He's got like... Oh, amazing, right? Yeah. Got to meet him once. And do like a meditation in his room with him it was a small group of us. But awesome. that guy, very powerful. Uh, his wife had just passed away a, a brief time ago, and he is just so emotional and true. Yeah, you talk about vulnerable. I mean, this guy was super vulnerable, but in a really powerful way, like you're, that draws you in. Like because when you're really that vulnerable you're authentic and people sense that, you know, and wow. we're all, we're all craving authenticity right now, especially with like all the Instagram filters and social media that isn't real life and so fake and all the things that we're projecting out there. And we want people to see us as rich, but you, you know, it's your friend's Ferrari and it's, you know, all this stuff that's just, and then there's John Gray who's just, you know, looking deeply at you with like loving eyes and, and like walking you through a meditation while he's crying about, you know, missing his wife. And it's like, wow, you know, like, it's just powerful when people are authentic and they're tapping into their true self. It's so powerful now because we, we get it so rarely. Mm, yeah. Yeah. It's very difficult to find. And that's probably the reason why I find it difficult to find friends. I wouldn't say I've got that many, but I'm actually happy about that. <laughs> you know, I'm not depressed. I'm very happy about that. But um, going back to John Gray, uh, I've done a podcast with him and it was really interesting the way he was just defining the differences between man and woman. And he was very, very distinct and like, I can't think of what words to use, but like, he just had very strong opinions, which could be very 
contradicting to many people, but it it just seemed to make a lot of sense with what he was saying, with how a man's supposed to be. And, and what, what I think I mentioned to him, uh, I think I said, um, what's your thoughts on uh, men being in touch with their feminine side? And I think he just almost like shouted. He was like, what? <laughs> Like uh, it's something. It's like almost like uh, you know we've been sold a lie that we're supposed to find our feminine side, and he was like, men are supposed to be masculine. They're supposed to be, and um, he was like, you know, the reason why men are end up uh, bitching and that are rude and conceited and like all these you know horrible words is because their estrogen, estrogen levels are too high and they're, they're too close to their female side. They need to get back on their male side and they could be more compassionate and loving people. I was like, wow, this is really interesting stuff. <laughs> really. Yeah, and that, that just gets into like aligning with who you are and you don't want that, that divergence, that dissonance that over time creates anger and frustration and resentment and and it's, it's only you that's to blame. You know, those people around you that are jerks, you put them around you. You're allowing them to treat you like that. It's, it's, not, it's not anyone else's fault but your own. You need to put yourself in alignment with what's authentic. But I think a lot of people haven't done the deep work to know who they are. So you can't be authentic unless you know who you are. What are the things right now that light you up and what doesn't? What's taking your energy right now? What's giving you money? What's, what's not giving you money? What lights you up and what's taking away energy? And you know, take a strong look at those and say, what can, I, what can I get rid of? What could I hand off for someone else to do? You know, there's cheap EAs and, and VAs, virtual assistants that you can get on, you know, Fiverr and Upwork and whatever that $5 an hour in the Philippines oh, or whatever for, <laughs> to read your email or whatever it is you don't like. Free up that time to chase some of the things that make you passionate. Find yourself in those things. And of course, you find yourself in the obstacles like, like Ryan Holiday, you know, the obstacles the way like through adversity is where you'll also find yourself. You'll find your strength, you know? And that's like the idea of hormesis in the body is like that, that, that uh, uh, adversity is, is creating adaptation. Like you're growing stronger in the body. And the same is true with that stoic mentality, you know? Like, like the obstacles away, like that, you don't want to like a life without obstacles. You don't want to avoid obstacles. You start to be thankful for the obstacles. Like I am like all the things that came into my life is what gave me my, my passion and the knowledge I've acquired and the empathy that I have for people that are hurting. I wouldn't have that unless I had all these obstacles. Mm, absolutely. Talking of obstacles, we have a big one at the moment, which is the pandemic. Or is it an obstacle? <laughs> Some people call it the big pause. There's many different names for it. But um, one thing's for sure, 
I did find it quite fascinating when I heard that a lot of people were depressed, were like, like depression. I just heard, oh my gosh, depression has skyrocketed. And I was thinking, really? Like, what are people depressed about? And I think because I, I so enjoy my own company, if people said, Roger, I ain't going to come to your house anymore, I'd be like, okay, I'd be fine with it. I'm happy to talk on the phone on the odd occasion. But um, it's, it's, it's pretty big. There's a lot of depression going on right now. What's your thoughts on that? What do you think are the reasons behind it? Would you say it's mainly media, social media, or literally people not being able to, people restricted from doing the things that they love doing? Um, that disengagement from other people, other humans. Yeah, you brought up a great point about that you're good with just being on your own. And I think that's because you largely have a positive voice in your head. And if you haven't I love what's in my head. <laughs> yeah, it, it, like you're your own friend, right? But a lot of people, you know, that that ego is the enemy. The voice in the head is is not a productive one. It's a counterproductive one. So spending time alone, not drowning it out with alcohol, video games, movies, work, staying busy, exercise, whatever, and just having a lot of time to listen to that voice in your head. If you haven't done the work to change that voice, then that can be an ugly place to be. I would also say that we're encouraged to stay inside, to isolate, to wear masks, uh, to not socialize, to not touch. You know, we, we require six to seven touches a day to feel human, to feel connected. And when we don't get hugs or handshakes or pats on the back or, you know, any of that stuff, we start to feel isolated and lonely. And when you're not getting that social interaction in person, you feel isolated. Like I'm just watching Roger on TV. You know, I'm not really with Roger. You know, and, and it's, it's, uh, it's a different thing when you're in person. But then when you're in person, you know, you're looking at the other person wearing a mask. You don't get to see their, their full face and how much they emote. And, and there's some fear that's there because a mask makes you think disease and peril and unhealthiness and and crime and all the things like it's just negative with masks and and you're not connecting on the deepest level with that person and so right now is a difficult time to to connect and share and be deep and love and and do all those things but at the same time it's making you appreciate the relationships you have and it's making you lean into those which can be a good thing i also think we're not connecting to mother nature which is so critical too we need to be grounding outside you know bare feet in the grass we need to get sunshine and get that vitamin d we need to breathe in the oxygen have that oxygen carbon dioxide cycle with the plants around us we don't need to be stuck inside the house with the fluorescent light 
and our TVs and our devices and looking at all the people, like you said, on social media and TV, and there's all this clickbait and filtered realities. And, uh, you know, you think that the liberals are, are evil. They're a bunch of idiots. And then the conservatives are idiots. And I hate all these Trump people. And if you're like, the more you go down this rabbit hole and surround yourself with people that are inflammatory, that think the exact same way you think, you'll end up with a very dark existence. And they're in the business of spreading fear, getting clicks, getting views. They're not in the business of educating you, of telling you the truth, of telling you the other side, of telling you in uh, the, the facts versus editorial. You know, like it's, it's a game for them and the cost is your mental health and you're letting them manipulate you. Like now is the time to unplug. Now's the time to connect with the people around you. And, and if you only have a few relationships, then make them really fucking deep. Like just go deep. If you don't want to go wide, then go deep. Like right now's the time. Like, you know, I'm going to like, make the best two friends in my life and just tell them how valuable they are and learn from them and rely on them and hold them accountable and have them hold me accountable and we'll be quarantine buddies you know? <laughs> just, but that's you need you need someone and you need someone there that that you can lean on and right now is that time to be really clear of who's that person to lean on mm, absolutely what about people who are living alone and don't have anyone? It's pretty tough. That's a very tough time right now. And it makes me sad. Um, you know, especially like when I, I used to work in nursing homes and, and to know right now, there's a lot of those people that, that feel like they're at the end of their life and, and they're just alone with no visitors and, and they're treated like, they could have a virus and uh it's it's it is very sad that does make me sad um i don't know i mean i am I'm, I'm working on cards you know to to bring to them um that at least can be dropped off you know something you know hopefully with the technology we have it's not all bad that we can do like um you know facetime or whatsapp them or you know, whatever, and at least spend some time with them that way. But you're right. There are, I mean, loneliness is a killer. Loneliness is, is really the number one killer health wise. And there's a, there's a Harvard study that's almost 80 years old now. And they showed the number one predictor of longevity is quality of relationships. It wasn't, it wasn't black or white, rich or poor, um, you know, what area of town you're from, cholesterol levels. It wasn't any of that. It was quality of relationships. And if you look at the blue zones where people live past 100, the seven of them in the world, everyone thinks it's, well, it's got to be the diet. It's got to be this one thing. It's that they slow down. They have these three-hour dinners and yes, it's whole food and it may have red wine or green tea or some of these healthy things, but they 
talk to each other, they share, they open up. When they have food or wine, it's a parasympathetic experience versus when we have food or wine, it's, it's with music, it's in traffic, it's with anger, it's with frustration, it's while we're watching TV and it's a sympathetic experience. And that way, whenever you take a sip of something or you have a bite of something, your body thinks it needs to be in fight or flight mode. But with them, when they have a drink of red wine, when they eat some good food, their body relaxes because they're in a safe place and they're sharing and they're opening and they're taking their time and, and laughing and, and, you know, like I said, opening up is, is so critical and that's what they get to do in all these cultures. You know, they slow down and take those really important moments and they're not sitting on cell phones and, and wasting those engagements. Mm. Hopefully this is something which a lot of people will start to appreciate now, you know, eventually when lockdown is uh, lifted and people can see each other and maybe not wear a mask as well. That, you know what, that is going to be bizarre. Just the thought of no mask already just seems so bizarre. But um, what's happening at the moment is a lot of people are eating a lot of garbage, a lot of fast food. And, you know, a lot of people eat food for happiness. I guess it's, you know, stemmed from maybe before we was even born, you know. Our ancestors probably used to do it, so we do it. You know, we, we eat for happiness. It's one of the things we so look forward to. And um, a lot of the time it can be found in the wrong type of foods, especially sugar-based type of foods. And I, I'd seen on your Instagram page, you mentioned a lot, of, a lot of stuff about sugar. I can't remember all of it exactly. But um, when people eat a lot of sugar, what is happening in their body exactly? It's, it's very much like how your brain responds to cocaine. Uh, there's a, it's a dopamine reward response. Um, the damage from sugar long-term can be bad with what's called advanced glycation end products and uh, insulin resistance and almost all the disease states are, are correlated to um, metabolic dysfunction and elevated glucose and insulin, including cancer, coronary heart disease, aging, uh, Parkinson's, uh, you, you name it, um, wow. is almost all correlated to that. But the problem with just sugar acutely is it's literally a drug-like effect. And it's not going to be that, that stable response that you might get by eating whole food. Um, it's, it's just like you do the cocaine, you have the high, then you have the low, then you want to have more cocaine. Mm. And it's a cycle that's addictive and people are just as addicted to sugar. When you walk in a convenience store, it's that store of addictions. You look around at all the colors and the, and the caffeine and the tobacco and liquor and porn and lottery and whatever, and it's sugar everywhere and it's sugar by the register in these bright packages and M&Ms and Red Bulls and whatever, it's an addiction. And you know you feel horrible like after you eat it and for even buying it. And you kind of hide it 
and you know, like if you're kind of hiding it, that's really bad. You know, like uh, you shouldn't have guilt and shame around stuff. And, and, and sugar isn't necessarily bad all the time, but like you can fall into these cycles of, of it being really unhealthy. So it's definitely something to, to be aware of. Uh, I, I don't, you know, like there's times I might have, you know, a piece of cake or, you know, something or, but I, I do make sure I'm a, I'm a ketogenic dieter and I do cyclical and targeted ketogenic dieting. So I do make sure that it's worth it when I have it. Like if someone offers me up like some grocery store cake, I'm like, no, thanks. But like if it's some, you know, gourmet, you know, experience, this guy's won awards. I'm like, okay. And then, you know, after that, I'll be fasting. I'll work out. I'll, you know, get back in ketosis and it's all good, you know but I just make sure it's worth it. And I make sure that that's not the majority of what I'm eating. You know, if you eat 20 healthy meals and you have one, you know, meal that's not so great, it's not going to make an impact. Just like if I had, you know, 20 incredibly healthy meals, salads, vegetables, all these things. Um, and like I said, yeah, you have like a burger and, and fries, it's not making an impact. And if somebody who's eating all burgers and fries has one salad a week, it's not going to make a difference, right? So, you know, don't beat yourself up. You, know, you can have those things on occasion, but it's a, it is a downward spiral that you can get in that's very, very addictive. And it'll start leading you to impulsive behaviors in general. Uh, it's very common that you know, it's almost like a gateway drug. Like you can get heavy into alcohol. You can get heavy into porn. You can get heavy into these uh, Facebook scrolling, like, you know, that kind of stuff. That's dopamine reward response. And you're just, you need, you need a hit. I need a hit. I need to feel better. Now I, I'm jonesing, like I, I need it. And that's when you're scrolling, when you should be talking to the guy at dinner. That's when you're like picking up the M&Ms when you should be getting, you know, a boiled egg. You know, it's, it's that reward response. And, and a lot of that has to do with self-love too. I mean, that goes back to that for sure. Mm. I find that, man, it tastes so good. And it is definitely legal cocaine. Legal cocaine, man, I'm telling you. And, and the crazy thing is, there's no cap. There's no cap on how much sugary bullshit you can buy from the shop. You can fill up your, tro your trolley with as many as you want. And I mean, that's not even the bad part. Children can go and buy as many as they want. I remember back in the day when I was a kid and um, my, my, my dad might give me like 20p to go to the shop and buy some penny sweets. Obviously, we don't have penny sweets anymore. Um, I think, I think the cheapest sweet you can buy is probably about 25p now. Um, but back in the day, you said, obviously you're from the state. So I don't know, a, a cent cent. Did you have sweets for a cent? Yeah yeah? yeah. 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 So it was like penny sweets in UK. And the thing is, um, yeah, I, I used to save up my, my, my pocket money. I might have like 50p, 50 penny sweets. And it was, you know, there was no cap on that to say, Oh, that's too much. You know, you're, you're a young child. I would sit there and eat it all and eat it all. And I just remember just like thinking, oh, I want some more something sweet. 
And I've seen it in my daughter as well. Like, I'll tell her, like, if, 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 I, if we have a cake, I'll be like, look, we're going to get like a gluten-free cake um, or we'll make something at home and we'll use some, some ingredients like uh, um, xylitol, erythritol, mm -hmm. um, what's the other one? Yeah. A bit of stevia, it, obviously it's got a little bit of a funky aftertaste, but yeah, yeah. Um, and just, yeah, and, and, and in that way, you can have it without the, the crash. You might go, depending how much uh, xylitol you use, because we mm -hmm. use a lot of that, you'll be visiting the toilet. <laughs> yeah. That's for damn sure. But I guess I'd prefer that than the mad cravings with the sugar crazy like you'll wake up during the night thinking oh, i need something what that is insane and i've seen it in my daughter where i remember you know she she might have eaten like a a cake with like sugar in it and then i might be in the kitchen washing the dishes and then she'll walk in there and she'll just stand there i'm like zara what is it are you okay yeah <laughs> she's looking for something sweet I was like, mm. it's because of that cake. I told you, you shouldn't have had that much. So, you know, I'm very mindful of that. Like now I understand more about foods and it's, um, you know, our behaviors when we eat certain foods, especially like, you know, high glycemic load or high sugar um, or gluten types of foods. I, I, I know how I feel and I know how, you know, my daughter responds, for instance. I think um, that that needs to be a bit more widespread. More people need to know about that. In all fairness, just that that yeah, that dopamine fix. It's it's crazy. It's it's insane, and it's so readily available for children. Yeah, um, and it's so bad for the immune system. Yeah, I'd, I'd love to to come back on and talk nutrition and supplements and all that good stuff if if you'd have me. Absolutely, man. Absolutely. I mean, that's because ingredientologist. That's that's what you're known by, isn't it? Yeah. This is your. Yeah, this, this was this was a really fun conversation. I I really appreciate you having me on. Like talking uh, mental health and depression, like really is a big reason why I'm here and, and I want people to not feel alone and, and, and talk about my journey for that reason. That's amazing. So, uh, on Instagram, you're known as the ingredientologist. Yeah. So is, is, is that the full handle? Ingredientologist? Yeah. 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 And, uh, Sean S H A W N. Uh, I have like a bunch of guides on there that are fully cited on keto on fasting on immune health, my top 10 supplements, um, how to eat healthy for the holidays. I got recipes up there, all kinds of stuff. Yeah. That's incredible. And you also have a book, the energy formula, which is, yeah, which is coming out. Yeah. Yeah. That'll be out February 16th. And if you go to energyformula.com, that'll be up by the time the show comes out. Uh, you'll be able to uh, buy that book, uh, the pre-sale for 99 cents, uh, which is awesome. And it'll be, that's the ebook, but it'll, it'll also be out on uh, hardcover and softback. Yeah. February 16th. And it's the energy formula 
talks about experiment, nutrition, exercise, routines, growth, and your tribe. Get into all the things that encompass having more energy in your life. Oh man, that's that's amazing. Really good. I think people need to eat a lot more food. We have a lot more high vibrations than the nutrient deficient garbage that is highly advertised the moment you walk into supermarkets it's just there like in your face it's insane um yeah amazing are you on any other social media do you have twitter for instance yep twitter uh linkedin facebook i'm still um at ingredientologist on all those Um, even pinterest yeah pinterest yeah yeah so thank you anyone ahead of time that, that follows me and and i'm i'll answer any questions you send my way whether you go through my website or my social media uh, i'd love to answer questions and like i said i'd love to be back on and we can talk about supplements and talk yeah. about nutrition a little bit more definitely we'll get on that for sure like i'll speak to i don't know if it's your assistant or yeah 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 we'll get that set up Sean, it's been absolutely amazing. Thank you very much. Yeah, it was a great conversation. And this is what it takes. It takes two guys talking to to have that higher vibration, to live a higher life, to not feel lonely, that, you know, we're connecting, we're sharing, and hopefully having an impact on other people out there. So I love being a part of that. Thanks, Roger. Hey, no worries at all. Thank you again. All right. Have a great day. And you too. Thank you for tuning in today's episode. Any guests which I have on the show really provide some golden nuggets and useful life-changing tips. So always feel free to check out their social media platforms or website links, which will be written in the show notes. These shows are financed by my sponsors, so your contributions are always greatly appreciated. Any clickable links with discount codes will not only provide you with the best services, but will help out the podcast too. So thank you. If you do like the Roger Snipe Show podcasts, then why not give it a review? A five star would be awesome, but some great feedback on what you liked about the show or what you would have liked to hear would be helpful too. Until next time.